Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, well, the great one is off tonight. It is me, Rich Zioli, back with you from Mark's home base of Philadelphia. Happy Independence Day. Happy pre-Independence Day, I should say. 877-381-3811, our number. Great to be back with you. It's been a couple weeks, so it's fun to get back together. I'll tell you what, the uh, the polls, right? The polls are so bad for the president, he's going to have to drop out of the race. He's probably going to drop out. He may drop out tonight. Maybe he'll drop out in front of Mount Rushmore tonight. Maybe he'll announce tonight he's, it's, that's it, in front of Mount Rushmore. Sorry, but I'm done. Sorry, folks. Park's closed. Campaign's closed. It's over. I'm done. Uh, well, he said it's what you know, James Carville thinks. He's going to think the president's going to drop out. Uh, I have this. This is pretty fascinating here. This is BostonGlobe.com. Mike Dukakis. Remember him? Michael Dukakis. He ran for president. Uh, he ran for president against uh, President George H.W. Bush. In July of 1988, a Newsweek Gallup poll showed. Ready for this? Michael Dukakis leading his presidential opponent, George H.W. Bush, by a 55 to 38 percent margin nationwide, 55 to 38 percent. So Dukakis has some advice for Joe Biden. Ready? Don't take those polls seriously. Right. Don't take those polls seriously because they are a bunch of nonsense. Dukakis said uh, <laughs> there were other polls back then, too. And they were trying to do a, a victory lap of the country. And they were, they were trying to do this. They, they had written an acceptance speech. They were, they were going into this. They were thinking that they were going to wind up becoming, you know, he thought he was going to win. All right? He thought he was going to win, obviously. Dukakis circa 1988 evokes Joe Biden right now. Some polls show Biden with a double-digit lead over Trump nationally. And with leads in states that Donald Trump won in 2016, like Michigan, Wisconsin, the global forecasting institution Oxford Economics predicts a historic defeat for Trump in November. Uh, this is a great article. It's from BostonGlobe.com. In 1988, polite society gasped at the Bush's campaign's relentless below-the-belt pummeling of Dukakis, orchestrated by bad boy messaging guru campaign manager Lee Atwater. In August, the incumbent president, the cuddly Ronald Reagan of cherished memory, called Dukakis an invalid. Catapulting rumors of our governor's psychiatric debility from Looney Tune, Lyndon LaRouche supermarket flyers to the front pages of America's newspapers. Reagan later claimed he was joking. I think I dropped eight points in the week Reagan called me the invalid, Dukakis recalled in an email. I never took those early polls seriously. Of course, it's ancient history now, right? But you look back, you go, well, I mean, hey, if, if, if Dukakis was doing so well, what happened for him? What happened? Here's what happened. People started paying attention to politics again. It's the summertime. And as we all go out to enjoy Independence Day as best we can, with all the restrictions and closings and everything else, as best you can enjoy, you're probably not focused. Maybe you are, because maybe you live this stuff like I do. But most people are just not 
entirely drilled in yet. They're living their lives. They have children and families and they're enjoying their summer. They're going boating. They're going to the beach. They're going in the pool in their backyard if they're lucky enough to have one. They're doing these things and they're not exactly paying attention yet to politics. And so why are the polls so different? Why were the polls so different in 1988 than they were in the fall when obviously Dukakis did not become president of the United States? What happened? It's the same. It's the same phenomenon you're seeing now. First of all, the problem with polls is that they've never changed their methodology from 2016. I mean, that much we know. We know it's the same methodology that they're using now. It's wrong then. It's wrong now. But here's another thing, too. Pollster calls your house. You answer the phone. Hey, can, uh, can you do a poll? Now, I've never been polled, but obviously people have. But they go, can you do a poll? And they go, who do you want to vote for, Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Now, you know they have that your address, and you know that they know where you live, obviously. So you probably say Joe Biden just because you don't want to be canceled. Because everybody gets canceled nowadays, so you just say, ah, Joe Biden. But then they start asking you some questions, and they, they drill into the questions. And while you just lied to the pollster two minutes ago saying that you, tr- you were voting for Joe Biden, when, when you get asked the next question, who do you trust more in the economy, you turn around and you go, Donald Trump. And nobody's talking about that phenomenon of these polls across the country, but, but I am talking about it because it's, it's really amazing. They're saying they're voting for Joe Biden, yet... Without question, they say they they trust Donald Trump more in the economy than Joe Biden. So why would they vote for Joe Biden? They're not going to. They're telling the pollster that so the pollster doesn't think that they're racist and doesn't think that they're helping to destroy America, backing a white supremacist. Well, whatever the the media narrative of the day is, the, the poll, the person getting the poll doesn't want the pollster to know that about them. It's like a lot of people. They hide their Trump bumper stickers or they don't wear the MAGA hat in public. And then they go out and they vote for him anyway. Because who wants to deal with the angry mob? I mean, who wants to deal with them? I don't want to deal with them. You'll never see me putting a, a Trump sticker on my car, wearing a hat like that in public. Ne- I have no interest in having the mob coming after me because that's what they do. You know, they'd be at the grocery store. They come up and they say, I can't believe you would support such a racist president like that. They'll yell at you. The Karens will come out. You know, and, and nobody needs that. Nobody needs that in their life. But. Why would you say you're voting for one guy if you trust the other guy more in the economy? Remember, the fundamental principle is it's the economy stupid. So how is the economy doing right now? Well, it's doing better. It's doing a lot better. And so the media is trying to discount the fact that the economy is doing better because, again, if it's the economy stupid, and you know who said that, by the way, James Carville, the same guy who's predicting that Trump will drop out of the race, literally predicting Trump's going to drop out. So if the economy is uh, doing better and it's the economy stupid and if people say that they trust Trump on the economy more than they trust Joe Biden, why do people think that these polls are accurate? Why, why do people think that Joe Biden's going to win? I think it's the opposite, actually. I mean, I think it's, it's Trump's to lose because people don't want to see Joe Biden running this country with the economy that he would offer. And that's the reason because Joe Biden is not really the candidate you're getting. I mean, you're getting him. If he wins, but it's all the people behind him. You know, it's his crazy friends. It's his crazy friends who wind up taking over the country. He's invited a lot of crazy into the White House with him if he gets there. And people need to understand that. And listen, after Labor Day, when when the summer's over and everybody's getting the kids hopefully back to school and hopefully semblance of normalcy back in life and you start paying attention again to politics and you look around and you go, wait a second. Wait, so what? So wait, what policies is Joe Biden supporting right now? What is he backing? This Green New Deal and, you know, take Pennsylvania, where I'm broadcasting from tonight at WPHT, where I do the morning show. Take Pennsylvania, for example, where Joe Biden has said, yes, yes, he would love to see hundreds of thousands of jobs go away in order for us to transition to a 
clean economy, you know, for the Green New Deal. He'd love that. Yeah, that's not going to play well with workers in Pennsylvania or Ohio or Michigan or Wisconsin or a lot of other places, too. Then you have the whole issue of as the economy begins to improve, the media turns around and says, yeah, but this is all temporary, you understand. It's all temporary because uh, they're going to start shutting things down again. And as they start shutting things down again, people will, will be unemployed again. It's almost like they're giddy over the fact, right? Have you noticed that? It's almost like they're giddy, like they're excited. Like, well, any minute now, it's going to be more shutdowns, which means more unemployment. You just wait for it. They think in their minds that if these Democrat governors keep shutting down their states and taking away people's businesses and their livelihoods and everything else, they think that people are going to blame President Trump for that. But I... I, I disagree. I, I completely disagree with that fact. I think that if you're in a state like Pennsylvania, then you've got a governor there, Tom Wolf, who's been very arbitrary in deciding which businesses can stay open. He had this waiver program that was a mess. And there are people that are furious. They are furious because the governor has done things in this state that have driven people out of their jobs. His, his own approval numbers have fallen like 43 percent or something. So now why would people like that thing turn around and then vote for the guy that the, the Democrat governor of Pennsylvania is backing for President Joe Biden? When, when they know that it was those policies that are absolutely to blame for the, the economic devastation that they've all been feeling. The answer is they wouldn't. They're going to take it out on Tom Wolf and they're going to vote Republican. And that's a that's a reality right there. They're going to take it out on Tom Wolf and they're going to vote Republican. And they're going to do this in a lot of other places around the country, by the way. Now. It's very easy to get lost in the in this whole idea of, well, the coronavirus is spreading and it's spreading everywhere. And so the numbers are going up and, and, and they, things are locked down and people are getting locked down. It's very easy to get caught up in that and forget all the people that have recovered from it. And it's also very easy to get caught up in the, in the notion of of fear of what's coming. And do I think the media is trying to drive that narrative of fear? Of course I do, because that's what they do. They've con- convinced themselves that. If there's more pandemic, if there's more business shutdowns, if there's more closures, then that's going to directly affect Trump's chances of reelection. But that's assuming that people are really not smart and smart people know what's happening right now. For example, tonight in in South Dakota or North Dakota, there's going to be a, a, a big event that's going on, a big event now that's going to happen tonight. And I'm sorry, South Dakota. Governor Christy Nome is the governor there, as you know. She's fantastic, by the way. She really is. She's fantastic. So she said, everybody, come on out tonight. We're going to do this big thing with Mount Rushmore. President's going to come. Going to have a big celebration of America right before Independence Day. As all these crazy mobs everywhere trying to tear down every semblance of America from its founding up to today. Come and enjoy and celebrate America. And you don't have to social distance and you don't have to wear a mask. And what's been the response to that? People have been freaking out all day, all day, all day. How dare they allow people, ready? How dare they allow adults to come to a celebration without mandating mass and social distancing? Now, think about that for a second, right? You're an adult. You, you know if you want to go or not. You, you know if you have a, a reason not to go, if you've got uh, your immune system compromised, if you're worried about getting the coronavirus, whatever. You know you're an adult. The, the notion of you being able to decide for yourself whether or not you want to take a risk and go to a big outdoor event, that, that is absolutely offensive to some people, offensive to them. The idea that the government would allow you 
an adult to make that decision for yourself and then not tell you you must cover your face, you must stand six feet apart or else. I mean, all day today, they've been losing their minds about this event tonight in South Dakota. They've been losing their minds about this event in front of Mount Rushmore. Number one, because it's Mount Rushmore and they hate that, too, and they want to see all the faces come down off of Mount Rushmore. Because it's anything, anything that is a symbol of America right now. And I've said this before. It was never about Confederate generals. It was always about the founding of the country. It was always about ultimately convincing everybody that America was founded as a racist nation and therefore the people that founded it and wrote those founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. The documents have to go because the people that wrote them were obviously terrible people. So the documents have to go. And those documents are the only things that restrain crazy people from taking over our government. They're the only things that restrain people like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from just taking over and instituting socialism and getting their, as Mark would say, their emeritopia with their extreme socialist utopian agenda. So the idea that adults can make decisions for themselves and go to an outdoor event, it's just so repulsive and offensive And she's a Republican and Republicans aren't responsible because they're not mandating masks in every part of the country. And the president's not mandating you wear a mask. and He's not mandating you social distance. He's letting you be an adult and take care of yourself. I mean, it's crazy to me that we're at this place now in America where when you're given the freedom to make choices for yourself, that is now considered to be apocalyptic. I mean, really, that is that because that's how they react. How dare they allow people to gather? How dare they allow these adults to do that? Now, look, I wouldn't go. It's not my thing. I wouldn't do it because I've got young kids, got a new baby. She's three months old. I'm not going to take that chance, but that's why, I mean, I'm an adult. I can make a decision. That was Christy Nome's point. If you don't think you're going to be safe, don't come. If you have a reason not to come tonight, don't come tonight. You're an adult. Manage your life. But how long has the left done this, by the way? Right? I mean, how long has the left done this? Telling us what to eat, telling us what not to eat, limiting our drink sizes, limiting the foods, limiting the ingredients of foods, the war on this, the war on that, war on salt, the war on sugar, the war on big soda, soda taxes and sugar taxes. And how long have they been doing this, right? Banning this, banning that. It's very much a mindset. You know, government is smarter than you and government will make decisions for you and left to your own devices. You're going to do something stupid. So we're going to make decisions for you. This way, you don't make you don't make stupid decisions. That's the mindset. Believe me when I tell you that that is the mindset. And what tonight's event is saying is we reject that mindset. We're going to allow adults to come and take a risk, take chances, and also make decisions for themselves as responsible adults. Wow. What an American concept. Again, a concept that they'd like to see completely scrubbed from American history. And they're trying really hard for that. The number, of course, 877-381-3811. This is The Mark Levin Show. The great one's off tonight with his family. It's me, Rich Zioli, back with you, and we're coming right back. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. I mean, I know that everybody who went to the Trump rally in Tulsa is uh, dead, obviously, from that. Or No, they're not. They're not. You don't really hear about Tulsa anymore, do you? You just don't kind of hear. Because everybody was expecting there was going to be massive outbreaks and then, of course, mass death and casualties after that Trump rally. And it just didn't happen. So they're not talking about that anymore. If you notice, it just kind of went away. Uh, I like the idea of American independence and you being, as an adult, being able to be independent and make decisions for yourself. I like that. I really do. I wish we had more of that in this country. I wish we had just so much of that with adults being able to make their own decisions and choices. But that's a very different mindset than the mindset of the left, which is they are your nannies. They are your parents. They are the, the government is smarter than you. It's better than you. It, it, it attracts the finest people. And therefore, they're they're more capable of making decisions than you are. And, I, you know, some of these governors and these mayors, the way they've acted like totalitarians from day one, and now they all have their, their, their mask mandates, you know, the orders that they put down, ordering you to wear a mask, ordering you to do this. Surgeon General today made a great point. He said, um, you should wear a mask, but I'm not, we're not mandating it on the federal level because mandates don't work. People don't want to be told what to do. You have to encourage people to do the right thing, but stop ordering them to do it because they're not going to do it the right way if you if you just make them. But that mindset, the Trump administration's offering, which is, look, you know the deal, you know the deal of the virus, you, you understand it, you make a decision for yourself, you, you do what's comfortable for you. If it's comfortable for you to go to indoor dining, you do it. If it's comfortable for you to go to a big outdoor event, you do it. You're, you're an adult, you make a decision. That is so antithetical to what so many of these other Democrat governors are saying around the country. In my state of New Jersey, where I live, just right across the river from Philly here, the governor there, he closed down indoor dining. It was supposed to start up this weekend. He shut it down because he says we're not ready yet. So he's he's killing restaurants and bars across the state. I mean, he's going to destroy them. But again, it's it's the idea that restaurants can't be responsible. Businesses can't be responsible. You can't be responsible. Nobody can be responsible. Government has to mandate every second of your life and manage you like a child. Otherwise, you'll make the wrong decision. That is a mindset that I absolutely reject. Hey, it's Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. Your thoughts, your calls. We're coming right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. They can clone the others, but there's only one Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. Oh, so Joe Biden had another gaffe today, huh? Shocking. That's amazing. We'll have to play that in just a second, Mr. Producer. Welcome back to the show. The Great One's off tonight. He's with his family. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Mark. Thanks for hanging out, being part of the show. I am the morning show host on WPHT in Philadelphia, Mark's hometown. You can also tweet me, by the way, at Rich Zioli if you like. You know what's amazing is that, uh, think about South Dakota, for example. There were 6,716 cases of COVID-19. 5,818 of those people recovered. There are active cases, 807. Currently hospitalized, 70 people. Total deaths, 91. So 5,800 recovered. There are other people that are still active, and 91 people died. The point is that you look at a state like South Dakota where the big event's going to be held tonight, and you say, it's not that bad here. Because we didn't we didn't do what New Jersey, New York and Pennsylvania, Connecticut and some of the other states did, which is to essentially now assign COVID-19 to nursing homes by saying that people who were positive with COVID-19 had to go into those nursing homes again. They could not be denied their admittance. So since the states like South Dakota did not do that, they don't have massive death numbers. I mean, you look at the massive death numbers, they come from the states that did that with the nursing homes. But to talk about that would then be to expose people like Governor Andrew Cuomo, for example, the governor of New York. He was the nursing home killer, as I call him. If he, I mean, if he were like a character in a movie or something or in a book or something like that, it'd be just because it's a catchy name. You got to have a catchy name. If you're going to write a book about serial killers, you got to have a catchy name. That's all I mean. So so Cuomo, you know, he gives this order and he says everybody has to go into the nursing homes. COVID-19 positive or not. Direct contrast with the orders that were given from the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. I talked to Seema Verma yesterday, the administrator for CMS. She was on my show, my local show in Philly, and and she said, you know, we told them, we said, look, don't bring COVID-19 positive people into the nursing homes. Don't do it. That's exactly what those states did. And you know the numbers there are catastrophic. They're catastrophic. South Dakota had 91 deaths. So having this big outdoor event tonight, And if you're an adult and you make a decision to go, that's on you. But what is this event? Why is everyone so angry about this event tonight? I mean, it's there. The president's in front of Mount Rushmore. They want Mount Rushmore to go. There's a another tribal leader today that came out and said Mount Rushmore has to go. This is sacred lands. It has to go. All these symbols of America. Lincoln. I mean, he's not. They want him gone, too. Now it's amazing. And of course, the founding fathers. So the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Now, think about what the Constitution really does. The whole purpose of the Constitution is not to give government lots of power. It's to restrain government. I mean, you know this being a fellow Levinite. The Constitution is there to restrain the government. It's, it's not to give government lots and lots of powers over us. It's really there to tell them what they can and can't do so that we, the people, remain in charge. That's how we look at it. 
That's the way it's always been. Because when we said we wanted to declare our independence, we didn't just want to manage our own lives. We, we wanted independence from government. We, we wanted to be independent from government controlling us. That was really the idea. And then, of course, the Bill of Rights to say what the federal government can't do to the states, can't do to the individual, can't do to the people, because we created the federal government. We, the people, created the states. The states created the federal government. And now this, the Constitution is the guardrails. So if you are looking for a socialist revolution, you got you to gotta get those founding documents out of the way because you're never going to amend them. If you follow the amendment process, you're never going to accomplish that. You're not going to get rid of the Electoral College, for example, by doing a constitutional amendment. So what you need to do is you need to just completely get rid of the Constitution so you don't have to worry about the pesky Electoral College anymore. That's the big plan. I mean, that's the ultimate goal with all this, of course. And then they can just have their majority rule. They keep talking about how we're democracy. We're not. We're a republic, as you know. But they want to have majority rule because they think everybody thinks like them. We don't. And that's a good thing. And we don't think like them, which is why they are so worried that Joe Biden's going to lose this election. You want to know the reality. The reality is they are freaking out that Joe Biden is a terrible candidate. Well, here, look, today he was doing some virtual thing again from his basement. And he's down in the basement. He's doing this virtual thing. And, he, and, and somebody introduces him. And then he, he begins to speak. And right away, I mean, just starts it off. Cut seven. Take a listen. Good afternoon, everyone. As uh, Lily already indicated, I'm Joe Biden's husband, Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Joe Biden's husband, Joe Biden. I'm, I'm, jo- I'm Joe Biden's husband, Joe Biden. Okay. So a lot of people think that he's, he's not playing with a full deck here. And the reason why they think that is because he's not playing with a full deck. And what they're thinking is, you know, if Joe Biden, if he's, can he do this job? First of all, he can't do this job for four years. So what's going to happen next? You know, what's going to happen when he finally just really can't remember that he's Joe Biden? Not that he's Joe Biden's husband, Joe Biden, but when it comes that he can't remember that he's literally Joe Biden, what happens then? And so, you know, people are thinking that and they're also thinking, who's behind him? Who's all the crazy people behind him that he invited to the party? All these lunatics on the left. And they're thinking that, too. And the truth is that as the economy recovers, the media and the left are just freaking out that Joe Biden cannot do this because the polls are not that great. If you really look at them, if you really look at the polls, considering everything that's going on in our country, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? There's millions out of work. We've had these big protests, we've had riots, we've had monuments toppled. Looking at those polls, really, Joe Biden should be like 20 percent, winning by 20 percent. It shouldn't even be close. They're nervous because, as Michael Dukakis said, you know, being at 50 percent, that's nothing to write home about. Being at 50 percent in the polls right now, when you're the challenger with a supposedly very weak incumbent, that is nothing to write home about. Democrats are worried that Joe Biden cannot get the job done because Joe Biden can't get the job done. I mean, that's the reality. I'm Joe Biden's husband, Joe Biden. And when the time comes that he can't remember that he's Joe Biden, whoever is behind him, whether it's his vice president or all the people in the cabinet, they're running the country from that point forward. And that's the message the Trump campaign really has to drive home to people. Joe Biden's not offensive to people. He's not Hillary Clinton. People don't hate him the way they hated her. 
And so they have to remind people that you think you're getting Joe Biden, but you're not getting Joe Biden. You're getting all of his crazy friends. You think you're spending the weekend at his house. You find out he's got lots and lots of crazy kids who live there, too. And they're going to terrorize you all weekend and you're not going to want to stay. That's the message he has to communicate. The Trump campaign has to get that message out. But as the economy begins to improve, you know, they're going to do more and more of just dismissing any economic success. So what was it yesterday? They had great economic numbers that came out. President came on TV, did a victory lap on that, said, you know, the economy is improving and they worked hard on this. You know, the Treasury Secretary and Peter Navarro, they all worked very hard on trying to make sure that the, the, the economy would just not completely fall apart because of the coronavirus. So they put in all kinds of different strategies in place where they had paycheck protection programs and that sort of thing, and it worked. And now as things begin to reopen, people are being rehired, so they're getting their jobs back. And that was the whole notion, that was the whole point, was that they wanted this to be temporary and that people would not lose their jobs. That's why they said to businesses, we'll forgive these loans to you as long as you hire everybody back, if you if you fire them, if you get rid of them, then you've got to pay back these loans to the federal government. They wanted a stopgap measure, stopgap measure that would just keep everybody employed until this was all behind us. And as the restrictions are being lifted, draconian restrictions are being lifted and people are getting their jobs back because they didn't actually technically lose them. Those numbers are now the unemployment numbers are going down and that's all great news. But the media dismisses it completely as, well, this is not going to last. This is this is I mean, this is a blip. They dismiss it completely as a blip. And then they say more lockdowns are coming and more lockdowns will lead to more people losing their jobs. Like they're giddy about it. This is a little montage put together by our friends over at Newsbusters. They kind of took the media a little bit and they, they focused on CBS and NBC and ABC and how they responded to the great economic numbers that came out yesterday. You can just hear the fear in their voice that, oh, my God, is Trump going to win now because the economy is getting better? Is he going to actually pull this off? Is, is, is this really going to happen? Cut two. Critics cautious and Joe Biden pouncing with 19 states either reversing course on reopening or hitting the brakes. What American workers told us about being laid off for a second time. But that good news comes with a big catch. The nearly 5 million jobs gained sets the record for the most jobs ever added in a single month. And after nearly 20 million jobs were lost in the shutdown, that's welcome news. But there's a catch. We already know from much more real-time data that the layoffs have already started and places have already had to close down, restaurants, bars, gyms, and many of the hot spots. The numbers were taken before recent COVID surges pushed many states to relapse. Nearly 5 million jobs added in June, but the record number not telling the whole story and the black Americans being left behind. But the latest employment survey was taken before the new wave of COVID-19 cases. The president abruptly left without taking a single question. Presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden, who outraised Mr. Trump in June for the second month in a row, blasted the president's optimism. There's no victory to be celebrated. Many of today's hires are not new jobs, but furloughed workers getting their old jobs back. And right. the latest tally was, was the taken. Point. That was the point. It was getting their jobs back so they didn't lose their jobs. That was the, the point of the whole economic recovery program that they did in the first place. But you see how the media dismisses that? These aren't new jobs. These are just old jobs that people are getting back. It's not like he created new jobs. Come on. Silly. Oh, and good news that they're locking things down again, so these people are going to lose their jobs again anyway. So there you go. Nothing to worry about. Everything's fine. 
You realize that the the lockdowns are if we had everything open right now, everything, then you would have the unemployment rate even lower. But it's a mindset. It's a mindset of I need government to protect me from the virus and I can't make decisions for myself as an adult like going out to dinner, and I can't rely on the free market to protect me. I can't rely on restaurants and that sort of thing. I, I need government. Like phony conservatives will say that, like this guy, uh, Chef Big Mike on Twitter, who says, you know, Rich, there's nothing wrong with being an adult or leader and saying, let's wear masks and save lives. Comparing masks during a pandemic to sugary drinks is a false equivalence. Nice job gaslighting, though. He calls himself in his bio a former Republican, fiscally con- uh, conservative and socially liberal. Okay. Uh, first of all, what's that now, Richie V? I thought, yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. Now, what's, of course, that mindset, right, is, is, uh, you're not a conservative with a mindset like that. You're not a conservative. You're, you're a liberal with a mindset like that, that there's a scary virus out there and I need government to protect me from that. And I need government to protect me from you. So I need a mandate. I wear a mask, but I don't do it because I'm mandated to wear a mask. You see what I mean? I do it so that these small businesses don't have to close across America because I know that that's exactly what would happen. I know I have a job. I'm very blessed to have a job, a job that I love, a job that I'm able to do. So even though I hate it, I do it for the businesses so they can all stay open because I don't want them to have to go out of business and lose their jobs. I do my part, but the government doesn't do its part. I mean, shutting down all these indoor restaurants because they, 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 they're afraid that people are going to get the coronavirus – you're not letting restaurants do what they've been trying to do, which is to figure out ways to keep people safe. Look, you go into Walmart, it's a gigantic indoor space with lots of people there. And yet people don't wind up getting sick. The argument of the indoor dining, for example, is they go, well, yeah, but you got to take your mask off to eat. And there's no way then you can be safe. Oh, give me a break, please. There are restaurants that have spent money putting in partitions, buying their staff masks, sanitation stations, menus that you never have to touch more than once. Tables are, of course, six feet apart. I mean, they have got this down to a science. You know why? Because we conservatives believe that the private sector actually doesn't want to kill you. I know. I know. This is different from the liberal mindset, right? The liberal mindset is without the Board of Health and government watching, the restaurants will kill you for profit because they'd rather make money than keep you alive. Conservatives understand that if they kill the customer, there's no customers anymore. Because they're all dead, in which case then the business goes out of business because they don't have customers anymore because they killed them all. We don't need the Board of Health and we don't need the government keeping us safe. We do that because we want to stay in business. And, and that's the difference between a conservative and liberal mindset. Liberal mindset is, oh, no, no, shut these things down. We can't trust restaurants to keep their patients safe from the coronavirus. We can't. We can't trust adults to do the right thing. We can't. We mandate, mandate, make rules, mandate, control their lives, tell them what to do. You can't trust them on their own. That's the liberal mindset. And you know, it doesn't work, by the way. It doesn't work at all. If it did work, then we wouldn't have a problem with a coronavirus because it would have been solved by all their mandates and their lockdowns and their, and their rules. But yet it's still here, right? Because that's what viruses do. They spread. And adults have to be able to make their own decisions and choices in life. But the idea that the private sector can't do its job to help keep you safe, that's because the left hates the private sector. They hate it. They love government. And they hate the private sector. And they're really worried that the private sector is going to continue to keep doing well, which is why they're all rooting for more lockdowns, because they believe only more government, only more lockdowns, only more rules, more mandates and more restrictions will be what keeps you from getting the coronavirus and not dying. 877-381-3811, 877 
381-381-3811. It is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, coming right back. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. I tell you, you know, it doesn't make you a liberal if you wear a mask. It makes you a liberal if you want a mask mandate. That's the difference, right? If you come out there and you want government to mandate these things, you want government to manage all these things, that's the liberal mindset. Not wearing a mask. It's that. It's, it's the mandate. Very different, by the way, very, very different, because I wear one and I'm not a liberal, but I don't want mandates. I hate mandates. Mandates don't work, first of all. They don't work, number one. Number two, how many times have we had to watch as these hypocrites break their own mandates, these governors, right? Take, uh, take New Jersey, for example, with my idiot governor, uh, King Phil Murphy, the uh, uh, unaccountable. So King Murphy, this guy said, you can't have gatherings more than X number of people. I think it was 10. And he actually had people going and giving citations to people that had in their own house on their own property. For example, they had at one place a, a little party for a guy who was going to get married. Ten people, family members, gave them all citations. There were people protesting his lockdown orders and they got citations. But there he was marching shoulder to shoulder with the Black Lives Matter protesters, shoulder to shoulder with them, violating his own stay at home order, violating his own Crowd size mandates, violating his own social distancing mandates as well, violating all of those things. And so when you look at that, you go, how am I supposed to trust guidance from this guy? How am I supposed to trust this guy when it's obvious that he's just a blowhard hypocrite? Governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf, he's out there marching side by side with the Black Lives Matter protesters as well. And he's out there marching with them. At the very same time, he's telling businesses they can't open. They can't open. And uh, at the very same time, he's saying that if you want to open, you are selfish and cowardly. So the people look at this and they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't understand this. Now, Fauci told us back in March, don't wear masks. Masks don't work. These governors tell us we can't be in large groups, yet they're in large groups. These governors tell us we have to social distance, yet they're literally marching with people who are in social distancing. Do you understand why people say you know what? I just got to be an adult and I got to figure this out for myself. I got to do what's best for me in my life. I can't trust these hacks. Do you understand why people like me say that? It's because the people in charge are a bunch of hypocrites and they break their own rules. They break their own guidance and they undermine their own credibility. It's the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, coming right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 
here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. You know, there's a lot of mob violence out there. Senator Mike Lee's a great guy. He's got a uh, he's got a resolution to condemn it. By the way, have you heard about that? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It's the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. I am your fellow Levinite, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. I'm the morning show, uh, morning drive host there on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Senator Mike Lee is a great guy. Very very smart. Obviously constitutionalist, as you know. He's got a uh, resolution that he put forward. To go on record condemning the rising tide of mob violence we see across the country and the increasingly prevalent mob mentality that is fueling it. Uh, It's not a controversial resolution, he said. Even in these divisive times, it's something that I think we can all agree on. I can read through some highlights right now, he said. Uh, And I'll read you a little bit of this. So what what, uh, Senator Mike Lee pushed for on the floor of the Senate, he said, The United States of America was founded in 1776 on universal principles of freedom, justice, and human equality. Throughout our nation's history, Americans have struggled to realize those ideals, but nonetheless have made greater progress toward them than any nation on earth. The United States is a diverse nation committed to cultivating respect, friendship, and justice across all such differences and protecting the God-given rights of all Americans under the law. America's law enforcement officers do an extremely difficult job extremely well, and despite the inexcusable misconduct of some, the overwhelming majority of such officers are honest, courageous, patriotic, and rightfully honored public servants. Whereas in recent weeks, people across the United States have organized legitimate, peaceful, constitutionally protected demonstrations against instances of police brutality and racial inequality, serious problems meriting investigations and reform. Senator Lee continues. Whereas some Americans, unsatisfied with peaceful and positive demonstrations, have instigated and indulged in mob violence and criminal property destruction, not in service of any just or coherent cause, but simply as an arrogant, bullying tantrum of self-righteous illiberalism and rage. Whereas these mobs have demonstrated not only contempt for public safety as evidenced, among other crimes, by an unprovoked physical assault on a Wisconsin state senator and the shooting of a motorist in Provo, Utah. And common decency is evidenced by their obscene berating of law enforcement officers standing their posts and protecting their communities. You've probably seen some of those videos, right? Breaking from Senator Mike Lee for a second. You probably have seen some of those videos, right? These cops standing there and these guys screaming in their faces and yelling at them and calling them uh, awful, awful things, which is their, you know, First Amendment right to do. And these cops stand there and take it. And, you know, they've sworn an oath to uphold their the rights and freedoms of these people. But these 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 people are, are, are morons. They have no respect whatsoever. And look, you don't have to have respect. It's America. But isn't that amazing, right? When you see the you think of the patience of these of these cops standing there and having somebody yell and, and scream in their faces and call them the, just the most awful names. Right. Common decency would say you don't do that to somebody. You don't you don't go up to them and start screaming at them and, and telling them they're uneducated and, and calling them the N word and all the other stuff that, that some of these cops have been subjected to. It's it's unbelievable. But decency doesn't really go very well with Antifa, right? And those other groups and the people that are agitators. I mean, it doesn't really go with them. Their their agenda is different from that. It's it's the idea that decency doesn't work, so we got to just burn the place down now. Senator Lee writes uh, their manifest. Ignorance and historical illiteracy is evidenced by the destruction of public memorials to historical heroes like Ulysses S. Grant, 
uh, Miguel Cervantes, George Washington, Hans Christian Haig, and a reported plan to target a statue of Abraham Lincoln financed in 1876 entirely by private donations from freed African-American slaves. Therefore, be resolved that it is the sense of the Senate that the rising tide of vandalism, mob violence, and the mob mentality that feeds it, including its cruel and intolerant cancel culture, should be condemned by all Americans. That peaceful demonstrations and mob violence are different in kind, that physical assault and property destruction are not forms of political speech, but violent crimes whose perpetrators should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of common sense, right, that we would, we would feel the need to say this right now, but let's look at the politics of this for a second, shall we? Step back for a minute and look at the politics, because that's what I love to look at is the politics of all this. And so you've got the, the situation where the presidential election is coming up and the president's running on this law and order platform and what this law and order idea means. And you've got the left doing what the left always does. They go way crazy over the top with everything, right? Which starts out as America universally condemning the death of George Floyd. I mean, everybody condemning the death of George Floyd and saying that the, the former officer who did this was, was barbaric. It was criminal and this never should have happened. The America was united in that for about five minutes. And then the left did what they always do, which is they went crazy. And then they started yelling, defund the police, right? Defund the police. So instead, instead of using that moment where America was united over the, de- the, of the awful death of George Floyd, the, the, the murder of George Floyd, instead of using that moment and saying, okay, let's come up with some ideas we can work together on, common sense reforms, that sort of thing, they went crazy and went so far left again. They go to the extreme always, defund police, abolish police departments. You know, in New York City, they just cut about a $1.5 billion out of the budget for the NYPD. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she says that doesn't go far enough. Ultimately, she'd like to see the entire department gone, disbanded with social justice warriors who will go out there and enforce all the laws. But not really enforce them. I mean, they would just they would go and give aid to people because the mindset of people on the left is that the government's there again to take care of you, protect you from yourself and also to take care of you when you can't take care of yourself. In every way, shape, and form. So she would send social workers out, basically. Giant teams of social workers instead of cops. That'll work out really well. And be incredibly efficient, by the way. No doubt about it. There'll be no wasted money there whatsoever. And that's just crazy. And I'm telling you, the average American thinks that's crazy. Let's take the suburban moms for a second, shall we? Because we always hear about the suburban moms. And how all, all the suburban moms are all voting against Donald Trump. I love that one. Every suburban mom, they all have their suburban mom meeting in the minivans and the hand sanitizer and the soccer that's not happening. And they all said, we are all united as moms and we're not voting for Trump. Now, ask these suburban moms, uh, you, you cool with uh, the police department in your, your suburban town being abolished? Does that sit well with you, knowing that your son could be kidnapped or, uh, you know, whatever else could happen? The answer, of course, is no, it does not sit well with them. No, of course not. You want to talk about swing states. How do you think uh, suburban moms in Pennsylvania and Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, Florida, think of the idea of not having police? For a lot of them, they moved to these towns for the schools and the fact that these were safe communities. But the left wants to get rid of police departments now. That's a winning idea. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, but Zioli, come on. Joe Biden said he doesn't agree with that. But like I told you earlier, Joe Biden is not really the guy you're getting. You're getting him, but you're not really getting him. Remember, he's the guy with the shorehouse. 
and you want to go to the shore, so you stay with him, but, but he's got all these crazy relatives that also come visit, and they make your life a living hell, and you just don't want to come back anymore. That's Joe Biden. He's not really the guy. And all the people around him, or the crazy people, this is what their mindset is. Defund the police. Get rid of the police departments. Get rid of them. So the Trump campaign is seized on that. They put out an excellent ad. I thought it's probably their best ad so far of the season. Because I'm all for, you know, positive uh, ads where they show, you know, America's comeback and all that. And yeah, but but I like re- I, it's the Jersey Politico in me. I like dirty. I like ads that fight. You know what I mean? Get down and rough and tumble and punch. I like punching ads. That's what I like. And this one does that job very, very well. So the concept is somebody calls 911. After the Democrats have defunded the police department, somebody's called 911. And, of course, there's no police to come and respond. So in the image, that you know, this is the audio version, obviously. But if you watch it, you see that. You see that presence of that, of the phone just ringing. And then you get this, this clip. It's an excellent ad. Well done. Incredibly well done. Cut number one. You have reached the 911 police emergency line. Due to defunding of the police department, we're sorry, but no one is here to take your call. If you're calling to report a rape, please press 1. To report a murder, press 2. To report a home invasion, press 3. For all other crimes, leave your name and number, and someone will get back to you. Our estimated wait time is currently 5 days. Goodbye. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Right? I mean, that plays right there. That plays directly to the mindset. And it's not scaring people with because this is what the left tries to do. They go, well, it's just Trump's trying to scare white people. No, it's the Democrats who want to get rid of police departments and all those other things that could happen to people by other white people. But it doesn't matter whether it's a white perpetrator or a black perpetrator. People just don't want perpetrators. So they want the police to stop them. And the idea that Democrats want to get rid of police departments or defund them and and turn them into giant social workers and social justice warriors and everything. If you think that that is a winning message, you're crazy. But if you think that Joe Biden really doesn't agree with it and so therefore you've got nothing to worry about, you're also crazy because it's the people around him. So this is a good issue for the Trump campaign. It really is. And part of going to Mount Rushmore tonight Obviously, is to be a gigantic super spreader and get lots of people sick with coronavirus, obviously. But also, it's to remind people that, you know what? We're done tearing down our monuments and our statues. Enough. Enough with destroying American history. Stop it already. And I was kidding about the spreading of the coronavirus. People will do what they have to do. They're giving out free masks. I think adults can be responsible, as I said in the last hour here on The Mark Levin Show. 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. But that issue of standing up to the mob, and for a lot of people, they say to themselves, you know what, does it affect me, right? If I don't live in the city, I may not even see this stuff. You know, I was driving into Philadelphia tonight to do the show. I haven't been doing the show from the studio because of the of the whole coronavirus working from home thing, so I've been doing my morning show from my house and... Um, other people on my team have been in studio, but I've been at home. And, and so it's the first time I've been back in the city in a while. And there's this gigantic Black Lives Matter encampment on the parkway, the Ben Franklin Parkway, right in the middle of the, of the city in, in, in like the prime tourist area. So that's great for tourism. I mean, there's tents like in giant encampments. But if you live in the suburbs, you don't even see that. So that doesn't really affect you. So the idea of law and order, you know, you see it on TV and it doesn't really it doesn't really hit home. But that ad I just played for you, that really does hit home. 
Because that makes it real to people who think, do I want to live in an America where the police are the bad guys, where we're going to get rid of them? And, and is, is that a country that I want? Do, would, I, would I want a community like that? I mean, for my sake, I, I'm very glad that we have a town where we know the cops and they're terrific and they're always saying hello and talking to us. My kids bake them cookies and bring, bring them to the police department and we say hello, have a good relationship with them. That's also what city cops are trying to do, too. And, you know, you think about some poor neighborhoods in the cities, some 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 of the areas in the cities where they really want the police to make sure that there's no more crime in their neighborhoods. And then you get all these uh, these woke white people that come out and say defund the police. And a lot of times the people in those neighborhoods are black and they turn around and go, no, we don't want you to defund the police. We want the police here. We need the police here. So in addition to the suburbs, I think that message also plays very well in urban areas, too. And I think there's a lot of African-American voters out there who say, I do not defund the police. What are you, crazy? Absolutely not. But again, I know Joe Biden doesn't believe it. So don't worry about it, right? Please. That's the Democrat Party right there. He's just their proxy. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Coming right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Yes, it is, in fact, the question of uh, just how crazy will Democrats go on these issues? They go so far to the left. And that's where really, truly, they wind up shooting themselves completely in the foot. And, uh, of course, not with guns because they want to get rid of guns. But, yeah, have you noticed one thing the Democrats have not called for, or anybody on the left for that matter? Have you noticed what they have not called for? Think about it for a second. What have they not called for to abolish any federal law enforcement, except for ICE? But they, I mean, they, ICE, they, they, years ago, they wanted to do that. But you notice how they don't want to get rid of any federal law enforcement. You know why? Because that's who's going to enforce all the hate speech laws and the hate crime laws they're going to come up with and everything else. And they, and the misinformation laws too. You know, for example, if you're on Facebook and you're putting out propaganda, say, uh, say about the coronavirus that they don't like, that they, they disagree with. Uh, well, then they'll come after you for that. You know, they, they, but they need feds to enforce that. They just don't want local cops anymore. They don't want local police departments because uh, they again, it's it's all the mentality of big, giant, centralized government and they run everything. And then that's where they can have the bureau, the bureau of all things, you know, where they can decide which movies are OK, which books are OK, which who gets canceled, who doesn't. But you need somebody to enforce that stuff. You never have them. I've not heard anyone on the left call for the abolishment of, say, like the FBI, for example. 
defund the FBI, right? No, they need the FBI. They, it, when they get in charge, the FBI will be the ones coming to your door and saying, you said a mean thing on social media. We're here to investigate. So don't think for a second that it's they want to uh, you know, abolish law enforcement so people can just be free. And this is some sort of big you know, libertarian movement of just we're no police. People just police themselves from now on. No, 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 no. They don't want local control of anything. They want a giant federal government running the show. Part of the big criticism that they lay at the president's feet over coronavirus is that he didn't order a national lockdown on day one. And that he didn't order a national mask mandate. Joe Biden says he will, of course. He'll use the powers of the federal government to mandate masks and he'll use federal powers he doesn't have, by the way, to do that. And they're angry that Trump did not use federal powers that he doesn't have to just start initiating lockdowns across the country. See, the guy that they kept saying was going to eventually create martial law in America. That's what they were warning about from day one, right? Trump's going to create martial law in America. He's going to lock everybody down. He was going to suspend the Constitution, get rid of Congress, be, uh, be in charge. He didn't do any of those things, and they're actually angry that he didn't. They're actually angry that on day one of the coronavirus, he didn't declare martial law, dismiss Congress, and just take over and run the show. Now, had he done those things, you know that they would have screamed dictator. You know that. They would have screamed dictator. He's just using the virus as an excuse to be a dictator. By the way, that's what state governors are doing right now. The governor of Pennsylvania, for example, the legislature in Pennsylvania passed a resolution reigning in the governor over his blatant abuse of power right now, this ongoing emergency that never seems to end. And they said to him, no more. You have no more emergency powers here. We're reining you back in. And he vetoed it. But they said, you can't veto it because we're reining you in. We're the legislative branch. You're the governor. We get to rein you in. State Supreme Court said, no, you don't. Governor can act as long as he wants with this emergency. He's in charge. I've seen so many of these Democrat governors act like absolute, utter dictators now, using the virus as an excuse for just just unabashed power, unabashed, unchecked power. But, you know, the nice thing about, of course, our country is that that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not how we're supposed to be in this country. 877-381-3811. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli from Mark's home base of Philadelphia. Of course, the question, how much will the Supreme Court play in the next election? There was a big win for religious liberty and school choice this week. Straight ahead. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. You know, the whole point of Independence Day, obviously, tomorrow is to celebrate the notion of Americans who did not want to be shackled by government, not just the the British government, but just by, by government. It is really a celebration of the independence of the individual. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight with his family. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Mark. I'm the morning drive host in WPHD in Philadelphia. 
You can also find me on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Speaking of Twitter, Mr. Ellis says, I wish that we could just trust people's good judgment, but we can't. What would happen if we removed all speed limits, traffic lights and police? Would people really do the right thing? As you all know, it would be chaos at best and anarchy at worst. So he's a guy who's pushing for mandates and lockdowns and mask mandates and that sort of thing. And I'm a person who says, um, take care of yourself. The virus is serious. Don't discount it, but do the right thing. You don't need government uh, locking things down. You don't need government mandating things. Just do the right thing. You're capable of it. You're an adult. Very similar to what Christy Nome is saying with, with the event tonight at Mount Rushmore. But let's go through that for a second. Uh, if we removed all speed limits, we have speed limits. How many people speed? A lot of them do. Do, do people... Not speed because of speed limits or do people just not go that much faster over speed limits? And then if you there were no speed limits and you had kids in the car, would you do like 120 miles an hour zooming in and out of traffic? Or would you drive responsibly to keep your kids safe in the back of the car? I don't know. I mean, again, it's a mindset, right? It's the mindset of without rules, without the kind of, of, of rules by government, you as an individual do the wrong thing. You'll make the wrong choice. You'll always do the wrong thing. Only government can make the right choices and the right decisions. But what happened when we got rid of traffic lights? Well, people, people run red lights. I mean, there's, there's a reason why governments are putting in red light speed cameras, because they want to get that money out of people. They want to get that money out of people's pockets. So, again, do you not run red lights because of the fact that it's a red light and you don't want to get a fine? Or do you not run red lights because it's dangerous and you don't want to put yourself in a position where you might get into an accident? I just I think about, again, the, the, the tomorrow being Independence Day, we forget that this is our independence from government controlling our lives. We have come so far from that in this day and age now. We've given up so much of our liberty in the name of safety. Keep me safe from this or that. Just take my liberty, please. And it's never supposed to be, you know, the Bill of Rights are supposed to be the way to con- control the government. And it's our protection from the government. The Bill of Rights, our protection from our government. That's the mindset from 1776. It's, it's the mindset of the Independence Day. We're not just saying independence from the crown. We're saying independence from people that control us as individuals. And we want to be individuals in charge. And we'll have a government because we know that if men were angels, we wouldn't need one. We'll have government. But we're going to limit it. We're going to control it, not have it control us. And we're going to have government to do some simple functions, basically to keep us safe from invading enemies and that sort of thing. And that's it. And we'll handle the rest. We've got guns. We'll protect ourselves and our family. We'll go out and make a living. We'll, we'll take care of things. We got this. We've gone from that mentality to how dare you not have a mask mandatory order, more lockdowns, more shutdowns, more. Th- how dare you not do that? And so I just think that it's 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 one of those silly arguments, right? Like if you don't support a mask mandates or lockdowns, if you don't support uh, ending this or ending that in the name of safety over the coronavirus, then you obviously don't take the virus seriously. You, you obviously just think people should get sick. You obviously don't think it's real. That's the other game they play, right? You know, if, if you if you disagree with them on any of their other nutty ideas that they have on things to keep you safe, uh, portion sizes and that sort of thing, calorie counts on menus. Like, I hate calorie counts on menus. I hate it. I think it's the biggest uh, violation of my liberty because I can't opt out. You know, I go to a restaurant. I want to order a big, juicy cheeseburger. I don't want to know how many calories are in there, grams of fat. I, I don't want to know any of that. I just want to enjoy it. Just let me be and enjoy the moment of this beautiful, delicious, rare cheeseburger where I can still get it rare. 
And yet I have to look at the, the menu where it tells me that this has 15,000 calories and 4,200 grams of fat. And I don't want to know. Can I get the menu that doesn't have this on here, please? Can I, can I opt out? Nope, can't. It's the law. You've got to be told and reminded how terrible this is for you. But I don't want to be. I want to just enjoy it. Well, you can't because we want you. The government says we want you to make better decisions. So we're going to we're going to we're going to put this shove this in your face so you'll make the right decision. But I'm not making the right decision. I'm still having the cheeseburger. I'm just enjoying it less because you're nagging me with the calories. We've come so far from the idea of the individual being in charge and the individual being in charge of their of their life, their safety, their security, their happiness, their health. And there are so many people, probably more so than ever before in our nation's history, that believe that the individual actually inherently does the wrong thing without government stepping in. That you or I will do the wrong thing unless government's there to manage us. I don't know, but uh, I feel like if Joe Biden wins, that that mindset has won as well. And I think that that mindset, once we get there fully, we're never going back again. Because it's a cliche to say this is the most important election of our lifetime. We hear that every four years. But I just think that if Joe Biden gets in there this time with all the crazy people in the Democrat Party today, that they will then be in the epicenter of power of, of controlling thoughts and ideas, what you can say, what you can't say, what's what's offensive to people and what's not offensive to people and, the, and all the cancel culture. And, you know, this movie needs to go and that movie needs to go. And that's and I and I, I think that if they get in charge. There's no going back from that because that mindset will have won that mindset of government that is, you know what? As an individual, you need to be managed. We're going to manage you. We're going to take care of you every step of the way, cradle to the grave, and we're going to, we got this. You don't worry about a thing. You just do what we tell you to do. That scares me. I, mean, I just think of the outrage over this, this event tonight in South Dakota as a great example. The outrage. If you turn on the, the television, you just pure and utter unadulterated rage that how dare they have an event like this tonight? How dare they have an outdoor event like this? I mean, the same hypocrites that are yelling about this event tonight were cheering on protesters who were literally doing the same thing. Thousands of them at once outside protesting. And I'm not saying that they didn't have a legitimate cause. That's irrelevant. That's irrelevant to the virus, right? Virus doesn't know the worth of your cause. The virus doesn't go, you know, before I spread, I need to find out, is this a worthwhile cause? We were told all the virus does is just spread. So if you're out there protesting, And there's thousands of you. You're at a great risk. How can we allow these protests to happen? And we had governors marching with people. We had mayors marching with people. We have this event tonight in South Dakota. Everybody's losing their minds going, I can't believe they would allow an event where people can be so close together and not mandate social distancing. I'm sorry. Were they mandating social distancing at all of these George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter protests and all the were were, were the were the rioters social distancing? Was there a mandate for that? Was there a mask mandate when they said, listen, before you come in and and smash the window of this target, could you please put on a mask before you go in and loot? Could you just do us a favor and uh, sanitize your hands? Here's some Purell. Go get the stuff in there. But first, we really need you to we're going to do a quick temperature check. So before you loot this store, could you just please a quick thermal check? It'll take two seconds and then we'll know you don't have a fever and go on your merry way. Go loot the store. Go have fun. Did they do any of that? No. Tonight, they're handing out masks to people if they want them. And of course, they're encouraging people to social distance if they want to. 
And you turn on CNN or MSNBC or you turn on, I just, I had CBS on in the studio a few minutes ago with Nora O'Donnell. And you turn that on and you, you would think that what they're doing tonight in South Dakota is they're, they're getting people there and giving them the coronavirus as some giant social experiment to see how quickly they could spread it. And, you know, this is another reason why, as an individual, I don't, I don't want government guidance because they're just flawed people. And the problem with government guidance is you, you have politicians who have ambitions who will very easily do whatever it takes to get where they want to go, in, and they'll use and sacrifice your liberty to get there. So take these, uh, these blue state governors, for example, right? These blue state governors who said you're selfish and cowardly if you want to go back to work, like the governor of Pennsylvania, or uh, New Jersey's governor who would bust people if they were having a funeral with 10 people, or wouldn't even let you go to church. The mayor of New York, that idiot, Bill de Blasio, that guy is a dope. I mean, one thing that does unite America is the fact that everybody agrees Bill de Blasio is an absolute moron, which is good. We've got the, you know, that going for us. You've got to find unity wherever you can. De Blasio was threatening to use the NYPD against uh, Jewish people in Brooklyn if they would not stop gathering and having religious services, including funerals. But there's Bill de Blasio marching arm in arm with thousands of protesters. So you see how it's convenient for them, right? The, the, the messaging they put out, it's convenient for them. De Blasio knows, like Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, knows, like Tom Wolf, the governor of Pennsylvania, knows that it's politically smart to march with protesters. They know that. For their Democrat governors, they all think they could become president. De Blasio ran for president. And even though he was rejected soundly, he still thinks he can become president someday. So it's smart politics for them to march with Black Lives Matter protesters. Smart politics. But to do so, of course, they have to throw away all the guidance, mandates, the rules, the requirements they were telling you day after day after day after day. You shall not, not may not, not like please don't, but you shall not be in big groups. You shall social distance. You shall wear a mask. You shall do these things. You shall not be in groups bigger than X number. And then they literally violated every single one of those orders to serve their own political interests. So now, as an individual, I'm supposed to kneel down before government, like kneel down before Zod, and kneel down before government and claim absolute fealty to these people when they'll turn around and say one thing one day and then the next day violate their very own orders to serve their own political interests, to serve their own career. No, no, thank you. I will opt out of that and I will make I will I will do my part to keep me and my family safe. And we've done a very good job of it so far. But I don't need hypocrites taking away my liberty. And then when it's convenient for them going out there and doing the exact opposite of what they told me I can't do. This is the thing about Independence Day. Remember, it was not just about independence from The crown, it was more than that. It was independence from government control. We celebrate Independence Day because it was the day that our founding fathers said, enough is enough with this king riding us and telling us what to do and not giving us our privacy and protecting our papers and our effects and and coming in and just trying to run our lives, taking away our guns. Enough already. We're individuals here. We're going to run things for a while. So you're out, your highness. But it wasn't like, oh, we just don't like your style of a, of, of a monarchy. We're going to do our own monarchy. So Independence Day is not, we just didn't like the Brits. We just didn't like England. 
But if you think about what modern schools do, modern schools actually teach that to children. You ask kids sometimes, or young people, uh, what is Fourth of July? They go, it's, uh, well, it's America's independence from Great Britain. Okay, well, tell me more about that. Well, we decided we didn't want to be ruled by a king anymore. Okay, and what else? Well, so we decided that uh, we'd start a government. Actually, Campus Reform did an amazing video asking people what the 4th of July is all about. And you have to hear the answers. I'll play it for you in the third, third hour here on the Mark Levin Show. It's unbelievable. But it's not unbelievable. If you think about how bad our education system is, it's not that unbelievable. But they don't teach that you have these very frustrated individuals who said, enough, we want to be independent from government control. And we, the people, want to run things. They act like it's just a matter of we just sound like British people. It's a little bit more complicated than that, right? But to, to teach the real story of Independence Day, you have to focus on the independence of the individual. And that is the exact opposite of what schools want, which is for you to become part of a collective. Collective thought, groupthink, Don't challenge the collective. Don't challenge the consensus. Don't challenge the conventional wisdom. Don't challenge the experts. Don't challenge the science. Don't you dare challenge government. Don't you dare try to break out as an individual. 877-381-3811. Independence Day is just much more than saying we just don't like British people. Please don't let that lesson get lost in all this on America's Independence Day. Oh, and also, when did we declare independence, too? Wait till you hear what the college kids say in those answers. It's fantastic. This is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one, coming right back. Mark Levin. Let's see now, here on the Mark Levin Show. This guy tweets me, he says, So this is how principal conservatism ends with Rich Zioli whining that calorie counts on menus are a great infringement on his liberty. The GOP is effed, killed by the Trump cancer, and Biden and Michelle Obama are going to wipe it out at every level of government in November. Uh, Okay, right. So I've spent the entire show talking about calorie counts on menus, right? And then nothing else. Uh, I I point that out because it's just one of those things of, again, a mindset of the left, which is that left your own devices, you'll always make the wrong decision. And if they don't control you uh, and take away your freedom and your liberty, then you'll make the wrong decisions and hurt other people. So they have to have lots and lots of controls and lots and lots of rules. I would think as a principal conservative, you'd be opposed to that. I would think as a principal conservative, everybody would say. We need to put more focus back on the individual and less on institutions, right? Less on institutions like government agencies, government departments, schools, colleges, less on institutions and more on government, more on more on individuals. I mean, and less on government. I would think a principal conservative would believe that. But unfortunately, now we've come to this place in America where we have so many Republicans who've decided that really they like government. They do. They like it a lot. They just want to be in control of it and then use government to get their way. They just want to make sure that they're and when they're not in charge, running around telling everybody that they don't want government to be infringing on their life at every level. But then they get in charge and they decide they really do. And they're they're praised as principled moderates. You know, they're moderates. They're principled. They're wise. They're very, very, very wise because they want to use the power of government actually to regulate people, you know, to regulate people and and, and control things because they want to get their way. So they'll just use the levers of government their way. 
you know, that's all. Just pull this lever and that lever. And, 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 you know, I would think at this point in American history, we can look around and go, can we maybe ease off the throttle a little bit of being so deferential to government authority, government agencies, bureaucracy? But every time we try to roll back regulations, for example, people scream and go, you've made the world a more dangerous place. You've made the world. a Everybody's going to die now. And one of the things I think that Trump has done very well on is rolling back regulations. But there's so many regulations. You can't even you don't even know where to count. Right. You don't even know where to begin. There's so many regulations. So it's not even a matter matter of just trying to get rid of all of them. You never could. But you try to roll them back. But think of how many regulations that the Democrats want to put in. So if you hate Trump so much, you want Joe Biden in there. Just think about how many regulations they'll put in around things like climate change, for example. How how many executive orders, how many regulations and rules will be issued from the Oval Office around the, the single biggest, greatest threat to humanity of our time, as they say, climate change. Just imagine that future. Just imagine that future, which is... That the Democrats are in charge and the single biggest existential threat to humanity in their minds is climate change. And now they've got the power. Doesn't just end with menu counts, calorie counts on menus. Genius. It ends with the government basically controlling every single thing without you getting a say in the process. This is the Mark Levin Show. Hour number three is coming up. Wait till you hear the answers when college kids are asked when America was actually founded. It's me, Rich Zioli, for The Great One, coming right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Now, is is Al-Qaeda going to use the coronavirus against us? It's actually a real story that I saw a couple days ago. Yes, uh, terrorists using super spreaders. I kid you not. It's one of the stories out there. Welcome back. Hour number three on the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight with his family. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you, the morning drive host in WPHD in Philadelphia. Great to hang out together tonight. Thanks for being part of the show. Appreciate it very, very much. I'll tell you what. Uh, people don't know enough about Independence Day. They really don't. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine to say, you know, happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day, but we really don't know enough about it. And a big problem, of course, is we don't realize the extent of the individual and how we were saying we want independence from government control, not just merely independence from the British. And that's a theme I've been trying throughout the night tonight. Unfortunately, America has come to a place where there's so many that believe that government needs to control all of our actions and our lives for our own safety and the safety of others. And we've just lost a lot of personal liberty. And it frustrates me in a big, big way. But let's do this. Let's uh, let's take a call, shall we? Because I know that uh, some of you have been patiently holding. How about and I know that uh, our call screener tonight, of course, Mr. Richie V, he's been very busy tonight screening calls here on the Mark Levin show. So let's start with Eileen. She's in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Eileen, how are you? Hello, Eileen. Are you there? 
Yeah. Hello. How are you? Very good. Happy uh, Independence Day, Eileen. What are your thoughts? Listen, um, my concern is where where are all the decent Democrats? You know, like everything that's going on with the Democrat Party and everything we're hearing, you know, things come out about what Obama's KGB, that's what I call it, Obama's KGB, did to this country and to Trump. And, And then now what's happening with all this Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all the protests and the violent beating and the looting. Like, where is it? And not one Democratic leader is coming out and, and, and condemning any of it. And, I mean, they even tried to pass a resolution against mob violence in the House, and nobody, and not one Democrat would get on board. Like, I'm just shaking my head going, there's got to be decent Democrats out there. And there's a few. I mean, like, even, you know, left-leaning Leo Terrell posted on Twitter. All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Very good. Have a good night. So here's the thing, right? Uh, Democrats don't break ranks. It's, they just don't do that. It's, it's, they, they, all, they all stay together. I've never seen anything like it before. They never break. Even last week, Pelosi said Republicans were, uh, they were, they were hiding behind, uh, or they, they, they were the blood on their hands, the murder of George Floyd, and they were hiding behind the murder of George Floyd. I mean, it was just a horrific thing for the Speaker of the House to say. But no Democrats came out and said, how dare you say that? Now, that happens all the time with Trump, right? He says something. He puts out one of his tweets. They don't like it. And, and every Republican feels the need to step up and, and, and condemn it or say something. And they're asked a question about it. All the Democrats, they double down. They, they all double down with Pelosi. Well, she has the right to say it. Good for her for saying it. Glad she said it. You know, it's just uh, it's, it's they practice real politics over there. They really do. I mean, they're good at it. That's why they win. It's why you can't discount them in this election because they're street fighters. They, they play a very, very dangerous game of politics and they're never going to cross each other. That's how they operate. Republicans do it all the time to each other. Republicans throw each other under the bus left and right. They think that they're going to get, I don't know, they think if they do that, it's a, some sort of, I don't know, like virtue signaling or something. Like, Look at me. I'm willing to condemn another Republican. Aren't you proud of me? Give me a nice big pat on the back, right? It doesn't, does it help them? No, of course not. I mean, Susan Collins of Maine is in the fight of her life right now. So don't think that it really helps when Republicans buck their own party. They don't get any more special favors from CNN or MSNBC. It doesn't work that way. And Democrats are smart enough to know that. You know, they know that if Pelosi comes out and says something crazy, they're all doubling down on crazy. That's what they do. It's amazing. It really is. Now, don't get me wrong. I like the fact that Republicans don't all think the same. I, I appreciate that. But it is it is something Democrats have always done. When was the last time they really came out and criticized one of their own? Just not something they really do. Uh, now, here's the thing. As we think about America today, right now on the eve of our Independence Day, where did all of this come from, this virus we're dealing with, this, this, this COVID-19? Peter Navarro, the White House trade director, is terrific. I really, I think the world of that guy is very smart. And he goes out there and he bashes China. And he says today on MSNBC, he says, you know what, listen. He goes, I'm tired of Americans always being so divided on every issue. Every issue. Divided on this, divided on that. We should as a country be coming together. Our common enemy on this is the communist Chinese government, the, the Chinese communist ruling party, because they did this to us. Because we're all arguing with each other and battling over mask mandates and are, are you social distancing enough? And, 
you know, you hear, I don't know if you heard in the news report, they have all these, these people that are going to come out and start issuing fines to people. And in California, if you're caught for the fifth time without a mask, it's a $5,000 fine. So as everybody's fighting with each other right now, Peter Navarro goes to MSNBC, says, listen, we have to remember where this came from. This is because of China. And the China trade deal is dead. And China, they were sending people out, hundreds of thousands of people. They were sending them around the world. And there's MSNBC going, listen, we don't want to talk about China. We don't want to talk about where the virus came from. We want to bash Donald Trump over not wearing a mask in public. And Peter Navarro keeps going back to the fact of, why won't you, MSNBC, why won't you acknowledge what China did here? And it's relevant in this campaign. See, I think one of the things that President Trump could do as a campaign point would just say, you know, I'm going to make sure that we as a country will never ever again be reliant on China for things that are frontline medical needs in the event of a national emergency, things like antibiotics. You know, if, if tomorrow we all needed antibiotics for something and they're made in China, do we really trust that we're going to get the good stuff? You really trust you're going to get the best of the best? I mean, recently a hospital in Philadelphia, their masks that they bought, the face masks from China, they did not work. They were all a bunch of uh, fugazis. They, they all had to get thrown out. So do you trust China when it comes to the frontline urgent medical needs? I don't. We are in the middle of a Cold War with them. You know, it's the equivalent of trusting the Soviet Union with our, with our uh, anti-nuclear devices in the height of the 1980s or the 1960s. You would never do that. But we're, we still are so dependent upon China for our supply chain when it comes to PPEs. So I think that's one of the issues. We're talking about issues to run on. The president needs to make that very, very clear. We're going to make sure that we don't ever have to be in a situation where our nation's health, another country, a country that hates us, could literally hold our health in their hands based on the manufacturing that they have. So Peter Navarro was on with uh, MSNBC a little bit today. It's a bit of a longer cut, but I want to I want to dig into this a little bit. I think it's very important to understand what the White House trade advisor is saying here and also the pushback, of course, he gets from the host of the show, Ali Velshi, on MSNBC. Take a listen. Uh, Fauci's advice. Fauci says we should be social distancing and wearing masks. Sure. I agree with that. But let's talk about Dr. Fauci, uh, just as as to why he shouldn't be viewed as as the oracle on this. Um, On January 28th, um, as is now known, I penned a memo which basically warned of a global pandemic from the China virus that could kill possibly millions. That was exactly the same time that the president of this great United States pulled down all the China flights. You know who was fighting me in the Situation Room on that? It was Dr. Anthony Fauci. And just in that very same time period, and even to a month later, Fauci was telling people that there was nothing to worry about in America. And you've played his clips right on the television. So, I, you know, Dr. Burks, um, she's my heroine. I love, I love how she has really tackled this, and there's really good people in government, that, but there are disagreements. The disagreement we're having right now is is how fast we can open the economy, and what we learned from the initial lockdown right. is that that's going to kill probably more people, locking them down through alcoholism, depression, and the kind of kind of economic fallout that we get than opening up. So this is a this is a, a okay. Fast but do you, do you believe in, that to be the remember, case? Let's stop it right there for a second. Thank you, Mr. Producer. So think about that for a second. So here you have the White House Trade Advisor coming out and saying, you know what? More people are going to die from the consequences, the unintended consequences of these lockdowns. And we have to focus on that. 
You know, what's fascinating is that I have got I've got kids in school. That's not fascinating. I've got young kids. But what's fascinating is that NPR had a story the other day. U.S. pediatricians call for in-person school this fall. The nation's pediatricians have come out with a strong statement in favor of bringing children back to the classroom this fall, wherever and whenever they can do so safely. The American Academy of Pediatrics guidance strongly advocates that all policy considerations for the coming school year should start with a goal of having students physically present in schools. And part of the reason for that, again, this is the American Academy of Pediatricians. Remember, because we always hear from the left about science, right? Why are you not following science? Why won't you listen to science? Blah, 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 blah. So I'd say it's pretty scientific, right? American Academy of Pediatricians. They cite mounting evidence that transmission of the coronavirus by young children is uncommon, partly because they are less likely to contract it in the first place. They didn't say it's impossible. They said it's uncommon. There's a big difference. On the other side of that, the American Academy of Pediatricians argues that based on the nation's experience this spring, remote learning is likely to result in severe learning loss and increased social isolation. Social isolation, in turn, can breed serious social, emotional, and health issues. Child and adolescent physical or sexual abuse, substance use, depression, and suicidal ideation. Ideation. Furthermore, these impacts will be visited more severely on black and brown children, as well as low-income children and those with learning disabilities. Think about that for a second. You know, it's very easy to get caught up and you turn on the news and you go, oh my God, the coronavirus is spreading. Lock it down. Shut it down. And then you realize, as Peter Navarro is saying, all the unintended consequences of that and how many more people can die from that. There was another story today how more people have died from heart related conditions than the coronavirus because they were not getting medical care that they needed out of fear of going to the emergency room, but also because a lot of visits were not being done. And so they didn't know they had problems and other people couldn't get the care that they needed. And so you have this this major problem with heart disease and heart attacks that happened in America during this entire pandemic. You don't hear about that. Again, it's very easy to just buy into the conventional wisdom and go, well, all right, cases are rising. Lock it down. Shut it down. Navarro's point is very simple, right? We can't do that because people are going to die from lockdowns. And you have to. But that doesn't work with MSNBC. You notice that they don't even like that. They just immediately go, well, so wait, 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 wait. You're not saying you actually believe that, do you? Let's pick it right back up. Go ahead, Allie. Do you believe that to be the case? We've lost 130,000 people so far. Most conservative estimates are another 35,000 people in the next three weeks or something like that. Uh, th- I mean, do you really think that not wearing masks and social distancing as policy is, is better or worse? So to be clear, what the president did in carrying that, bringing down those China flights is saved hundreds of thousands of people from dying. So let, let's be clear about it. People are dying, but remember... I don't understand. China, I don't know. But Peter... It's the Chinese Communist Peter, Party a lot that of people killed those still. Americans. Not the Democrats, not the not, Republicans, not, not the American people. Now, I agree with you. Look, the president has been clear about this. He supports uh, mask and social distancing. The vice president has been clear about this. But he's not. He Tonight, supports- he's, going to, he's going to July 4th celebration where he's not supporting that. The governor of South Dakota has specifically said there's no call for social distancing, and you can wear a mask if you want, and the president is the headline speaker at Mount Rushmore tonight. So look, clearly let, what you're saying is not this. true, Peter. Let, let, but, but let's do this, Ali. I, look, I, I get it. It's like the agenda on the media, basically, is, is to focus all the negative energy 
at Donald J. Trump. The two things I want to share with your audience today is that the Chinese Communist Party is responsible for every bad thing we're experiencing right now. And number two, hydroxychloroquine needs a second look because, Ali, if, if people in early treatment were taking this drug under the supervision of their physician, we have the potential to save tens of thousands of American lives and perhaps millions worldwide. I'm, I, you know, I'm the defense policy coordinator. I'm literally sitting on 63 million doses of hydroxychloroquine in the FEMA strategic national stockpile that I can't give away. So you away. think that's Why? a better solution than masks and social distancing? No, 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 at the no, no, no. Hey, I'm, I'm a multi-vector approach guy. Okay, let's We're stop it there ten- again. You see, you see what he's doing here, right? The host of the show. He doesn't want anyone blaming China. He doesn't want to let you go down that road. I mean, God forbid the country be united against the Chinese Communist Party, right? God forbid the country be united around this, this the, the promise of, of a drug. No, it's focus on the division masks. Why is the president not mandating masks? Why is the president not mandating social distancing? Again, it's the divide strategy. And Navarro is exactly right. That is what they try to do. It's all about division. And God forbid they can find a way to bring the country together around something. Let's rally around the fact that the Chinese Communist Party did this to us. Let's rally around proven uh, or potential medical uh, ideas. No, instead, it's uh, you don't like masks. Literally, Navarro said, I'm all for masks. I'm all for social distancing. The president has come out and said, I like masks. I wear masks. Uh, but, but again, it's not enough because they are trying very hard to drive a narrative, that narrative being that all of this death and this virus is entirely on Donald Trump's hands. And they want to continue to push that narrative. And it's ridiculous. 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Coming right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, went, went uh, a little long there, but uh, let me try to squeeze in a call here before the break. Bill is in Norwalk, Connecticut. Bill, good evening. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, this is Bill from uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. The reason I call, uh, the reason I call you had mentioned uh, uh, some polls that were taken. Well, about two weeks ago, there was a Zogby poll that had uh, Biden, uh, people considered Biden had dementia, 55%. And if that wasn't bad enough, uh, last week Rasmussen had a poll, and he said 35 percent believe that uh, Zogby, uh, that uh, uh, Biden has dementia. With this kind of nonsense, could they possibly nominate him 
I personally think they're going to come through with uh, Senator Saunders from um, Vermont because they just can't have Biden if so many people think he's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'd listen, I'd be a dream to have Sanders because I think he would get crushed. The country's just not ready yet for his brand of, uh, of communism yet. But uh, and thanks for the call, Bill. I appreciate it. No, I think what you're mentioning, though, is a very interesting point. What are they up to? What, what games could they play at the convention? You know, it's all in my mind going to be about who his running mate is, who Joe Biden picks as his number two. You know, and you hear Michelle Obama's name out there all the time. I know she says she doesn't want it, but I keep reading all these letters of people trying to recruit her into the race. Could I see a game like that happening? I bet. You sure bet. Yeah, of course I could. Could see something like that happening. Either way, do I believe that they they are they are not going to try in some way, shape or form to put somebody in there with Joe Biden who can then take over and be their person? Of course, Joe Biden, like I said, is not really the candidate. It's the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, coming right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Going gets tough. A tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. So obviously right now the left is trying everything they can to discount the economic growth we're seeing right now. Just to absolutely poo-poo it. You know, come on, this isn't real. This isn't real. It's going to be worse again. Don't you worry. They also try to lie about the coronavirus by saying that the president has completely bungled this. Welcome back to the show, the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight with his family, me, Rich Zioli, in with uh, with you tonight. Great to be here on this pre-Independence Day gathering. So thanks for being part of the show. In fact, on Twitter, at Mark Levin Show, if you want to follow the great one, he tweeted that. He said, all day, Democrats throwing, hot, throwing cold water on, this, on these economic numbers and then lying, trying to say that the president has bungled the response to coronavirus because the cases are going up. But remember something now, the deaths are going down. And that's a great thing, right? We, we, we're, we've got a handle on this virus. The whole goal from day one was about flattening the curve so that we would not overwhelm the medical system and we would not overwhelm hospitals with, with, with people that, that we didn't know how to treat them. It was a mystery. We didn't know exactly what we needed to do, get supplies, get the proper procedures in place. We did all that. And, and as a consequence of doing all that, Yes, cases are rising because this is a very contagious virus, but the deaths are going down. And also because we're not letting governors force seniors into nursing homes with COVID-19 patients anymore, like they did in New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. 
resulting in just massive mass casualties in these nursing homes, long-term care facilities, an absolute abomination. You take out those numbers and then the death number from this virus goes down even lower. So yes, people are getting sick. They're going to get sick. The virus spreads. It's what viruses do. But to look at the response and say, has he bungled the response? You have to ask yourself, well, are people dropping dead on the streets? Are the hospitals being overrun or overwhelmed? Do we not know how to deal with this? Do we not have enough masks and, and other PPEs that we need? The answer is no. We, we, we have more than enough masks that we need. We've got ventilators. We've got hospital capacity. We have what we need to handle this. And thank God people are not dropping dead in the streets. But again, this is the this is the narrative. It's why you turn on TV. It's every day they show you the cases and the deaths. They don't show you the people who have recovered from the coronavirus. It's like Charles Payne from Fox News tweeted out today that over one point one million people in the United States have recovered from the coronavirus. It's like, why don't we why don't they talk about that? Because, again, it's, it's a narrative, right? Trump has bungled this. That's why everybody's getting sick. Oh, and the economy, you think it's doing well now? Well, wait to the fall. Because uh, all those Democrat governors are going to start shutting things down again, and then everybody's going to be back unemployed. So don't worry about it. The economy is going to be in the tank very soon. It's really remarkable, is it not? Uh, let's go to Rich. He's in Pittsgrove, New Jersey. I'll try to uh, echo Mark here. Calling on the great WPHT in Philadelphia. Rich, go. Hello. How are you, sir? Hello, Rich. Hi, Rich. Yes, listen, uh, I'm a friend of some... I'm next to a neighbor, a friend of yours, Karen Thomas, Doug Thomas, come down in Wildwood to see you and all. Very familiar with you. Good people. Um, Yes, very good people. Yes, you know them. Did you hear anything about Biden moving his uh, headquarters to Jersey, to New Jersey? No, I, I, I did not. As far as I know, he's still headquartered in Philadelphia, but he doesn't leave his basement in Delaware, so it's probably kind of a moot point. I think he's moving to Senile City. (laughs) <laughs> very nice very good it's a wonderful beach resort senile city yeah right <laughs> well done rich well done have a good night my friend have a good independence day and a great weekend appreciate it of course he's making a joke off of senile city one of the great jersey shore locations i you know it's funny too you look at the some of the, the local news stories they go the beaches are going to be packed Again, if the mindset is that people are irresponsible and they're going to do the wrong thing, then, yeah, you're going to panic about that stuff. If you think that people are responsible enough to stay away from each other if they feel that they need to. and But remember something, though. Viruses spread. It's what they do. And the spreading is going to eventually, hopefully, bring us a herd immunity because we just can't all stay in our homes until there's a vaccine. That could take years. And then it may not work. Right. So, I mean, at some point we have to take risks here because the consequences of shutdowns and lockdowns are so catastrophic. But they don't talk about the people that are surviving the coronavirus. They don't talk about the fact that the death numbers are going down. And that is, again, deliberate. They have an agenda here. And that's very obvious just from hearing a little bit of the interview of Peter Navarro. It's very obvious for that. And so do I think come the fall they're going to start locking things down again? Yes, I do. A hundred percent. No doubt in my mind about that. I already told my wife, I said, don't think the kids are going to be in school very long. Because the first time little Johnny has a runny nose, they're going to start freaking out. and They're going to shut everything down. But beyond that, just look at the way that they're reversing things that were opened. Restaurants and bars, for example. And uh, and these governors are all jumping over themselves to see who can relock down things uh, first. You know what I mean? Like who who can who can out lock down the other one? They're all doing this. 
Do I think they're going to do that in the fall? A hundred percent, because the you know the flu is going to come back, colds are going to come back, and then coronavirus is still going to be around. So, yeah, this is all going to be re- replayed by the by the Democrats. And will there be a political motivation behind it? Yes, but here's the catch: I don't think it's going to work. I think people are going to see through it. So when the Pennsylvania governor Tom Wolf tries this nonsense again in the fall tries to shut things down again, I think people are going to say, the hell with you. And they're going to vote Trump. They're going to vote Republican to send this Democrat hack a message. And I think you're going to find that a lot in this country. I really do. You know, it's very easy to look at their plan and go, the Democrats are going to try to shut down the economy again to try to hurt Trump. But I am truly convinced that people are smart enough to see through that and smart enough to see the little games that are being played here. And when you've got a guy who's out of work in October, Again, and it's not because of Donald Trump, it's because of the Democrat governor. What the media will have you believe is that that guy's going to blame Trump because Trump didn't do enough on the virus. No, he's not. Not going to blame Trump on that. He's going to blame the Democrat governor who shut down his business again. So the only way that they won't shut things down again is if they have polling that tells them it would be a disaster for them to do so. Because you see what they're doing now. Well, we're rolling back this. We're rolling back that. We're requiring this, requiring that, because the numbers are going up. Yeah, the numbers are going up, but the deaths are not going up. But don't let that get in the way of a good narrative, right? Don't let that happen. Tomorrow's Independence Day, and I would be remiss if I did not share with you this amazing, amazing clip from Campus Reform. So they went there and they talked to these college kids. You know, they're trying to find out from them about when did America, when is America's birthday really? And what is in the Declaration of Independence? What does all this mean? And they did a great job on this from campus reform. They sent this reporter out on the streets, a digital reporter here. We just put a little bit of it together for you here on the Mark Levin Show. Take a listen. What year did we declare our independence? I'm going to be real with you. I don't know. 1967, I'll say. Close, a little off. I don't know, 1859. 1964. I'm going to give you a try. What do you think? What year did we get our independence? 1970-something, 74, something like that. 1979? Like the 1800s. 1864? 18, shut up. Yes, like, like 18... 19, it's farther back? Like 18... It's further back. From 1800s? Oh, shit. 17... 77? It's super close. 76, 76. So we're actually very two interesting people to talk to. We're teachers. Okay. <laughs> so I was a 7th grade civics uh, teacher, government teacher, and she is an elementary school teacher, fourth grade, second grade elementary school teacher. What year did we get our independence? (laughs) Seventeen something. Who did we get our independence from? What country? I don't know. I don't know this question. The United States. Do you guys know who we got our independence from? I don't know. America? Oh, Britain. Great Britain or something like that. Um, England. What was the name of the war that we were fighting at the time? The Civil War. The French Revolution, right? The Civil War? The Industrial Revolution, right? I think it's the Civil War. I actually don't remember. I, I, I know what it is. I really just don't remember. Try again. World War Two. World War One. Yeah, I will also say the Civil War. World War II. did not start in 1700, right? World War Two was in 1900, dog. Oh, the, the, Britain, the Britain War, yeah, that. Further back. World War One. A, a little further back than that. The Revolution. Now, you know, that makes me want to take my head and bash it against a wall as hard as I possibly can and go, that's not real, right? Unfortunately, though, that is exactly real. And it's funny and terrifying and scary at the exact same time. But you really can understand how easily people can be manipulated. 
Oh, by the way, recently Joe Biden came out and he said, uh, you know, back in the Revolutionary War, you weren't allowed to have certain weapons. He said you weren't allowed to own a cannon during the Revolutionary War as an individual. So my buddy Cam Edwards over at BearingArms.com, he's great. He wrote this. He said, Joe Biden's cannon claim shows he's wrong on history and gun control. During the Revolutionary War, not only could individuals own cannons, they could own an entire ship equipped with cannons. Privateering was an important part of the war effort, especially since the new United States had virtually no real Navy of its own. As the National Park Service helpfully explains, privateering encompassed two levels of participation. So there was an authorized letter, armed merchant ships challenge any likely enemy vessel that crossed its path during the course of a commercial voyage. A privateer commission was issued to vessels called privateers or cruisers whose primary objective was to disrupt enemy shipping. The ideal target was an unarmed or lightly armed commercial ship. With the passage of an act uh, of Congress in March 23rd, 1776, the Continental Congress formalized the commissioning process. And uniform rules of conduct were established. Owners of privateers had to post monetary bonds to ensure their proper conduct under the regulations. Although the documentation is incomplete, about 1,700 letters of Marquet were uh, issued on a per-voyage basis. They were granted during the American Revolution. Nearly 800 vessels were commissioned as privateers and are credited with capturing or destroying about 600 British ships. Vessels of every size and description were pressed into service as privateers. At the upper end of the scale was the 600-ton, 26-gun ship Caesar of Boston. At the other end was the 8-ton boat Defense of Falmouth, Massachusetts. Crews ranged from a few men in a whaleboat to more than 200 aboard a large, fully equipped privateer, reflecting the kind of vessels available to American seamen. So PolitiFact got wind of Biden's claim and reached out to several historians and experts on the right. uh, And they wanted to find out just exactly if it was true or not. They couldn't find anyone who actually agreed with Biden's assertion. Instead, they all agreed that it was highly unlikely there were any laws on the books banning the possessions of cannons. Quote from one historian, it seems highly unlikely that there were restrictions on the private ownership of cannons said Julianne Sweet, a historian and director of military studies at Baylor University. David Koppel, the research director and Second Amendment project director at the Free Market Independence Institute, agreed, saying, quote, I'm not aware of a ban on any arm in colonial America. There were controls on people or locations, but not bans on types of arms. PolitiFact also reached out to the Biden campaign to see if it could cite any specific example of cannons being banned during the Revolutionary War. Instead of answering the question, the campaign simply resorted to boilerplate anti-gun talking points. They were unable to name an actual law. Now, it's important to remember this, too, right? The, the Biden campaign also said that Joe Biden, actually Joe Biden said he takes regular tests regularly to check for his uh, cognitive abilities. Regular tests. He's tested all the time. His cognitive function is tested all the time. So in an interview that was done on Fox News, Brett Baer was asking the question. He was asking the question about, well, does Biden actually get tested? His cognitive abilities, are they actually tested? So the Biden spokeswoman is on and she's doing the interview with him and she's uh, she's dodging this because, you know, here's the deal. Joe Biden has actually never been tested 
for his cognitive abilities, even though he went out there and told everybody, ah, I'm tested all the time, my cognitive abilities, which made a lot of people believe he literally takes the test. You know, the test they give to people who've had a stroke, draw a clock, for example. Joe Biden made it seem like he regularly passes those exams, but that's not the case. Take a listen. Uh, this came up the other day in that press conference he held, first time in 89 days. And the, the question came from Doug McElway. And when he was asked about it, he said, I've been tested with regard to cognitive ability, and I'm constantly tested. I, I just didn't know what that test entailed, Kate. These, well, first of all, he's been tested every single day that he's been on the campaign trail. You know, he went through 12 debates in the Democratic primary. Uh, he defeated 25 other candidates to become the Democratic nominee. Got it. He's Just done, to be clear, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, this wasn't a mental test that he took then, right? You're, you're talking about being tested in, in life. Being tested, being out on the campaign trail every day running for president of the United States. But look, this is a really... This and uh, my mistake, that was Bill Hammer, not uh, Brett Baer on Fox News. But it was a great, great, great point, right? Great point on that, that he was pushing back on. Wasn't actually tested, right? Right? Biden's not really tested. The issue of Biden's cognitive decline is a real issue. And it's also why I believe the Democrats have put him up there in the first place, because they know they can easily roll right through him and then get what they really want, which is an uber left wacky nut job in the White House. But it can't be Bernie Sanders. He couldn't win. And that's the reality. Joe Biden's safe. But the issue of Biden's cognitive function is not going away. Joe Biden's husband, Joe Biden, is definitely not going to let that one go. If this is the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli for The Great One, we're coming right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. If you want some great radio tomorrow, by the way, as you're celebrating Independence Day, you can catch uh, Mr. Call Screener himself, Richie V. Rich Valdez will be on WABC tomorrow night, the great WABC in New York, 5 p.m. Catch that. If you want during the week to check out my morning show on WPHD in Philadelphia, we'd love to have you there, 5.30 to 9 every day on 12.10 a.m. in Philly. You can also listen online, of course. The great one will be back next week. Uh, it's always fun hanging out with you. I really appreciate it. We are looking at a V-shaped recovery for the economy is what, we're, what they're talking about now. V-shaped, uh, which is great. Went down. It's coming right back up where it was. And I'm telling you that if the Democrat governors and mayors would just allow everything to open, we would we would be out of this mess completely. But I know it's like you turn on the television and they go, well, the cases are rising. So time to start shutting things down again. 
In fact, it was the uh, the Babylon Bee, which is hysterical. I love their stuff. They said, uh, this America, this Independence Day, Americans will celebrate their freedom and independence by being locked at home under government orders. It's like, that's just so appropriate for what we're all going through right now. But again, if you buck that, if you, if you even challenge the conventional wisdom on any of this stuff, you're just decried as a heretic. A heretic. How dare you think those things? How dare you say that? I keep looking at CNN, and they keep talking about how uh, the Trump event in South Dakota, no masks, no social distancing. And yet they keep showing the crowd and people are sitting away from each other. They're also showing a woman who's 102 years old who survived the 1918 flu, cancer, and now coronavirus. That's the good news is that many people, most people, overwhelmingly the most people are surviving this virus, which is fantastic. The death numbers are, thank God, low, except for nursing homes. And that's on the Democrat governors of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and other places as well. But tomorrow, enjoy Independence Day. Enjoy America. I mean, this really is the greatest country in the world because we, we, we the people can still be in charge, although that's a fight now more than ever. Of course, obviously, we know that. But let's uh, cherish our liberty as best we possibly can. And remember to thank all those who risk their lives to protect our liberty and our freedom every day, um, especially the cops right now. They're going through so much, getting just grief everywhere. You know what I mean? So uh, feel free to say thanks to them as well and everybody who serves our country as well. Have a great Independence Day. You can find me on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks to the great one, Mark Levin, for letting me fill in for him tonight. And thanks to you for hanging out with me. We'll see you very soon. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.